In John's Gospel, we read about a remarkable encounter between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. In this episode, Irene Frost looks at this passage and considers ways in which it can help us to communicate with people who may be very different from ourselves. This is another podcast from Trinity Church in Palmerston North, so let's go and join the service. I won't talk to for too long today, but I want to speak about communication and I'm going to start off with a story from the Bible because I believe that Jesus was an amazing communicator when he was walking around and when he was talking to people and when he was teaching the people. And there's a lot we can learn from him about communication. Communication is such a big part of our lives. Everything that we do involves communication and it's not easy to communicate sometimes because we all come from different backgrounds, we all come from different situations and we all have a different traditions. And so communication requires a lot of uh, grace and it requires a lot of skill and wisdom and sometimes even uh, for us to learn some things which can make us better communicators. And in our church, we've got different cultures as well. And so we, you know, we can learn a lot from each other because our different cultures have their strengths, but they have their weaknesses as well because God has made us all different and to need one another. Now, I'm going to t- uh, just talk through... Firstly, I'll read the scripture. When Jesus was reaching out to somebody who was a different culture to himself. And the story in John chapter 4 of the woman of Samaria. Um, I'm reading from N.T. Wright's version of the New Testament. Chapter 4, the book of John. So when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was making more disciples than John, and was baptizing them, he left Judea and went back to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria, and he came to a town in Samaria named Sychar. It was near the place which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, tired from the journey, sat down there by the well. It was about midday. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus spoke to her. Give me a drink, he said. The disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. What? said the Samaritan woman. You, a Jew, asking for a drink from me, a woman and a Samaritan at that. Jews, you see, don't have any dealings with Samaritans. If only you'd known God's gift, replied Jesus. And who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink? You'd have asked him, and he would have given you living water. But sir, replied the woman, you haven't got a bucket, and the well's deep. So how were you thinking of getting living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank of it himself with his sons and his animals? Everyone who drinks this water, Jesus replied, will get thirsty again. 
But anyone who drinks the water I give them won't ever be thirsty again. No, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to the life of God's new age. Sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I won't be thirsty anymore and I won't have to come here to draw from the well. Well then, said Jesus to the woman, go and call your husband and come here. I haven't got a husband, replied the woman. You're telling me you haven't got a husband, replied Jesus. The fact is you've had five husbands and the one you've got now isn't your husband. You are speaking the truth. Well, sir, replied the woman, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Believe me, woman, replied Jesus, the time is coming when you won't worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. Salvation, you see, is indeed from the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here already, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, that's the kind of worshippers the Father is looking for. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I know that Messiah is coming, said the woman, the one they called the anointed. When he comes, he'll tell us everything. I'm the one, the one speaking to you right now, said Jesus. Just then Jesus' disciples came up. They were astonished that he was talking with a woman. But nobody said, what did you want? Or why were you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar, went into the town and spoke to the people. Come on, she said. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. You don't think he can be the Messiah, do you? So they left the town and were coming out to him. And so it goes on. And we know that not long after that, the people heard Jesus for themselves and said, this is the saviour of the world. They, they worked it out. They figured it out. So I just want to talk to us about some of the things about communication in this story because they're kind of things that we need to know about communication as well. Firstly, Jesus... He was, um, he was reaching out to somebody that was different to himself. He was reaching out to somebody who didn't fit into his normal world. He was reaching out to a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. And, um, and that was really um, quite amazing because the Jews didn't have any dealings with Samaritans. And so he was crossing the cultures. He was doing something that wasn't socially accepted. He was doing something radical. And Jesus was always doing things which were really different. And he, he got a lot of criticism for doing those things. Now, when he approached this woman, he said, give me a drink. This is just a very human thing to say, isn't it? He was establishing some communication. 
And so he could have just said, hello, I'm the son of God. God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish. If you believe in me, you won't perish, but have eternal life. But he did not do that. He, he connected to the woman where she was. He communicated. And true communication will serve the person that we are communicating. It will help the person that we are communicating with. So it was, he was making it easy for her to talk to him because he asked her for a drink. He was making it very easy for her to then be able to say to him something back. It, 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 it meant he, she needed to respond in the conversation. It, it also told her something about him. She knew that he was not a snob. She knew that he was not somebody that despised women. She knew that he was somebody that did not despise Samaritans, and he was a Jew. So she was learning about Jesus. So when we communicate with somebody, what do they learn about us when we are communicating with them? Communication is never easy, but our communication is always telling other people something about them, and it is inviting them to respond with us. How we communicate is important as well. Because Jesus could have said, give me a drink in many ways. He could have said, give me a drink in such a grumpy way that she would have felt humiliated and despised. It could have been very um, upsetting for her how she said, how he said, give me a drink. But how he said, give me a drink, didn't do that. It opened a door of communication. So it was amazing what was accomplished in those words, give me a drink. She learned a lot about Jesus. The way, the way he spoke to her made her feel welcome to speak back. And those things are all important in our communication how the person feels on the other end of our communication. Sometimes we're seeing the communication as something that we want to express ourselves, but we've got to remember that we're trying to serve the other person as well with our communication. So in a way, being a communicator is also being a servant because you're serving the other person. What you're, and, and what you're serving them is your words. <laughs> So that's not always easy. By the way, apologies if I made it a bit noisy at the back. I, I pulled a few toys out of the cupboard for the kids. And so <laughs> I've made a bit of hard work for everybody at the back. So hopefully they will hear my communicated apology. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but the children are very good. They just need something to do. So those are things that we could find out from what Jesus said to her with just those few words. Next, the Samaritan woman replied, you're a Jew, asking for a drink from me, a woman and a Samaritan at that. So Jesus' question it also made her curious. He, he had her interest. So when we communicate with somebody, 
and we want to say something really important to them, we need to be careful how we approach them. We need to approach them with, in, a, in such a way that we get their interest. So she was curious. How come? How come you're talking to me like that? And then he replied, well, if you'd asked, if you'd known God's gift and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. So notice that she was curious, but now he's given her something to be even more curious about. So he hasn't answered everything. He has actually given her something else to think about. So he's taking this lady on a journey of discovery. Because if somebody tells you something, but you don't believe it, you'll just put, and if they keep on going on to you, you're going to just become, what is it, defensive? But the way Jesus has communicated here, he has made this, uh, helped this woman to now get more interested in what God has to offer. So, it's really interesting. Look at her response. She said, Sir, give me this water, then I won't be thirsty anymore and I won't have to come here to draw from the well. So not only does he have her interest now, but he has her reaching out to him to solve a problem. I think she's thinking, what, where is this magic water? What is this water? Um, like, I won't have to come here and draw this, this other water maybe. Hey, this is really interesting. Where is this? What are you talking about? So she's really wanting to know more. So we've, we've gone from a very human conversation, give me a drink, to a more spiritual conversation about living water. And now the woman knows more about Jesus. He's some kind of spiritual person. He's somebody that is talking about something a bit mysterious here. I think, but I don't know because what is this water? I want some anyway. So she's kind of getting taken on this journey of discovery. And when she says, give me this water, give me this water, he said, well, go and call your husband and come here. And she says, I haven't got a husband. You're telling me you haven't got a husband, replied Jesus. The fact is you've had five husbands and the one you're now you've got now isn't your husband. You were speaking the truth. Okay, now the woman has found out more about Jesus. And she's found out that he knows something that no one could know without God having something to do with it. So his words are now carrying power and conviction. She thinks, wow, this is amazing. This man knows all about me. He couldn't know that unless God had shown him. So she's got it figured out. You know, she's worked it out. She's gone on the journey. She's found out. And Jesus is kind of helping her because he's given her the language 
that she needs. By talking about living water, he has helped her. He has given her, he, he is equipping her. He is helping her to be able to speak out her need. So he is serving her with his communication. She said, well, sir, I can see you're a prophet. She's got it worked out. He's somebody. (laughs) Not just anybody will know that I've had five husbands and the man I'm living with now is not my husband. And so that's what, you know, if we're speaking about God to someone, what they're looking for, they need to be able to go on a journey of discovery to discover God himself. And... And so we need to be cooperating with the Holy Spirit so that we're helping them to come to know God himself, not just, not, just, um, not just our words, but God himself. When she's figured out that he, he knows God, that he's a prophet, he's somebody, She then brings up her theological problem. She says, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she brings up a problem. She brings up a problem. I can see that you know God, but hey, we think we should be worshipping here, and you guys think we should be worshipping there. So she starts an argument. (laughs) She starts, this is her obstacle now. She is throwing up an obstacle in the conversation. And notice how Jesus handles it. He doesn't actually become highly critical about that. He instead introduces a, a better idea her to understand. He said, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you won't worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. Salvation, you see, is indeed from the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here already when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, that's the kind of worshippers the Father is looking for. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so he is equipping this woman. He is helping her with his conversation, with his communication. He is now helping her to understand that there is something much better. There is something much higher. There is something much more wonderful. So that instead of worrying about what mountain she's on, now she's thinking, wow, there's this really wonderful thing. This is just amazing, wonderful thing that I can have in my life. This worship of God. Please notice that Jesus could have said all sorts of things. He could have warned her about the way she was living. He could have talked about this. He could have talked about that. He could have told her. But Jesus was communicating with her so that she would want God in her life. That she would want 
a relationship with God because really it, that's what it is about. He could have he could have told her off. You've had five husbands. And da, 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 da. Did you realize that? Da, 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 da. And on another occasion, who knows? Perhaps that you know might have been the right something to do with some people, but it was not the right thing to do with this woman. You know. And even the woman who was caught, we, you know, you read about the one that was in the act of, caught in the act of adultery and they were going to stone her. Jesus um, said, I do not condemn you. But he did say, go and sin no more. But he didn't actually major on that. He, he, he uh, set her free from her accusers. But with the Samaritan woman, he doesn't, he doesn't go into that. He just explains to her that God is looking for worshippers. And so I call this heart-to-heart communication. Heart-to-heart communication. When we communicate, real communication is if we can communicate from our hearts. If I can communicate from my heart to your heart, then I've successfully communicated. If I've communicated something that's not really important to me, or if I've communicated poorly, you might misunderstand me, and that will cause a problem. But good communication is when we can speak heart to heart and understand each other and listen to each other and have some grace as well, I guess. So it does take a lot of work. But notice with this woman, she has now worked out, I know Messiah is coming, said the woman. And when he comes, he will tell us everything. So she has worked out for herself that this is the saviour. This could be the saviour. This could be the Messiah. And then she rushes off. Notice what the fruit of this conversation is. She rushes off, all excited, to tell her friends, I found this guy who knows all about me. Could this be the Messiah? There's an overflow of life. There's an overflow of life just from her conversation with Jesus. And the Bible says life and death are in the power of a tongue. So what God is wanting for us is to have... Um, the same effect as when Jesus was here, that our words carry life. Our words carry energy. Our words help people and make a difference, a good difference, a positive difference, and make it easy for people to believe that God is good and that they can have a relationship with him and that he's real. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the different cultures have got different ways of uh, different histories, different ways of talking. And in, you know, in New Zealand, I guess for quite a while, our, our culture has been more secular now. Um, when I visited the Philippines, which is just a handful of years ago, I noticed there's still a lot of um, religious tradition in the Philippines. I noticed the little, uh, what do you call them, the little cars with the, Jeepneys with the um, Christian messages on the side and all kinds of places where you see Christian messages everywhere, all through the Philippines. 
Um, but New Zealand, probably quite a few years ago, used to be a lot more... Um, a lot more people used to go to church. Um, Bible in schools was in every school. It, it, our, our country, New Zealand, has become a lot more secular. And, and so when we're communicating with people about God, it requires some skill. It requires, <clears throat> it requires some patience. And we need to present the gospel in a way that people, uh, it's, you know, it's going to make it easy for them to connect to, not compromise the gospel, but present it in such a way that, like Jesus, presented it to the presented himself as the Messiah to this woman. We've got to take people on journey quite often to help them to get out of, you know, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. If you're talking to a gang member in New Zealand, <laughs> um, t- this is. I don't know whether it's still the same, but the last time I was witnessing, I used to go on the streets and talk to people about Jesus. Quite often, if I was talking to people who were living really, really bad lives in New Zealand, really bad lives, um, they would they would feel very guilty, and it would be very easy for them to believe that God would punish them and all this, um, because they were going around with quite a weight of guilt. And so they were... Um, I talked to some guys that were scared of dying because of the things they'd done. <laughs> so they knew that they had crossed certain boundaries. They, they, were, they were, did have some awareness that they, uh, of guilt in their lives because of the kind of lives that they'd led. But quite a few people in New Zealand feel like they're good people. So how we communicate is really important. And I look at this example of how Jesus crossed over a culture to communicate with someone. He did it in a way that she was able to come to God. And that's our challenge. That's our challenge is to cross over cultures. It's our challenge to cross over into someone else's world (laughs) and be able to help them to know God because communication isn't always easy even in our own home it's so easy to be misunderstood you can say something and the other person might not hear what you said or you are too grumpy and it causes a problem so even in our own home and family communication is hard work right? Well, maybe it's easy for some, but I find, like, we get on really well a lot of the time, but there are some days when I, I do, I just, I don't communicate well. And um, on those times, you have to humble yourself and say, look, I'm sorry, you know? But we work at communication, and we're always trying to get better. So I just want to encourage us today. What are you wanting to communicate? What is... The message you're trying to get out this year to your family. Are you trying to say to your family, you matter to me, you're important, I love you? If you are, then think about it. What sort of things can you do to communicate that? We communicate with our words, 
we communicate with our actions, we communicate with our um, serving, serving people cheerfully, not like, oh, I suppose we better get you a cup of tea. Here you are. You know, we, we wouldn't want to talk like that. You know? But, or even going out to work. I'm doing this because I love my family. I'm trying to help them. You know? But we can, we can get worn down by life. It's like, oh, I've got to go to work again. <gasps> So how can we communicate? You know, people in our family, are we communicating? You are such a nuisance because I have to go to work and provide for you. That's not a good thing to communicate. Communication, even with our children, like we have to be consistent, right? I always think to myself, don't make a threat in a hurry. Don't threaten, you must do this, otherwise I'm going to send you to your room next minute. I told you, if you do that again, I'm going to send you to your room. Next minute, I'm going to send you to your room. If you do that again, oh, you did it again. Never mind. Darling, have a drink of water. What are we teaching? Um, be consistent. Whatever you do, be consistent. And put in healthy boundaries and try and be consistent. No one is going to be perfect. Every one of us will make mistakes. So do we communicate with patients? Do we, and it's not easy. Some things, I'll tell you with children, some things they will just grow out of. Tantrums, for example. Children have tantrums often because they just can't say what they want to say. And our job as parents is to try to help them to have the language. And even if they're older and they're old enough, you think they shouldn't be throwing tantrums. What it is doing is communicating to you I don't have the words to explain to you what is certain things. Anyway, that's my little talk on communication because communication affects all of our lives. And uh, let's always remember to look to our greatest example in communication, who is Jesus.